you have your Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 15. We've been going through the book of Revelation, starting out with the words, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything we learn here is about Jesus, particularly. If you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, we'd love to give you one. Uh, we have had some on the back table, but I, I saw this morning that we're down to our last Bible. So if you get there first, it's yours. Uh, but also, uh, we need to get more Bibles. And uh, if any of you have a Bible that have been given from the church, you know how precious that is. And, and again, I put the call out if anybody wants to help buy more Bibles to maybe give towards the Bible fund and we'll buy some more, some more Bibles. But this morning we'll go to Revelation chapter 15. Any ever been on a very long journey that's been really hard, really tough, and you finally get to the end of it? You've been there? I remember uh, back in high school, we had taken a, a trip down to California from Seattle, and uh, we had been down there for a couple weeks. And on the road trip home, uh, my parents, you know, like a lot of parents do, trying to just save time and squeeze everything, they said, we're going to drive all night. So we drove all night from California uh, up to Seattle. We're driving, and it was hot. I mean, it was, it was like North Carolina hot, uh, maybe even Cancun hot. It was hot, um, and probably made hotter by the fact that I don't know if my parents didn't believe in air conditioning or it just wasn't invented yet. I'm old, so... Uh, we're driving this car. It was hot in that car, and I'm sitting next to my brothers, um, and they're annoying me, and we're on this vinyl seat, which is sticking to our legs, and it was nighttime, and I'm hot, and it was an awful journey. We're going on this journey, and I was just having a terrible time, and it was one of those things, I don't know if they hadn't even invented travel pillows yet, so I'm trying to sleep, and my head's bobbing, and I just remember thinking, this is the most miserable trip ever. It's taking all night long, and I remember we pulled into our house in Seattle, and it was morning, and I was just so thankful. I mean, it was a long, arduous, hot journey with some annoying brothers sitting next to me, and we're finally, we made it, and we went inside the house. I remember we got in, we were all so tired, we were just going to put down our luggage, you know, and and just go fall into bed, and I remember we sat down, and we were just so exhausted, we just sat for a moment. Oh, we were tired. We were glad to be there. And, and we looked down, and all over our socks, and then starting up our legs, we were just covered with fleas. We had a cat of ours that had gone missing, and somehow the flea said, well, we'll just wait for the owners. And uh, when we got home, our house was, so here we are. We're tired. We're exhausted. We got to where we're going, and then we were disappointed. We didn't get rest. We didn't get this great time of, oh, we're just going to go and slide into bed and be thankful that we got there. It was like, oh, no, this is agony. What are we going to do? We, were, we almost wanted to cry. We were just so tired, and we got there. And, and, and um, the great thing about Jesus, as he gives us this revelation, for a lot of people in the world, maybe the Christians over in the Ukraine right now, like we're t- or Russia, which are they're being persecuted, and around the world, this is a long, arduous journey. For the name of Jesus, it can be tough. And maybe some of you, even in life as you're going now, the journey is really hard. You're watching it going, how long is this going to take? And you just can't wait to get there. But the great thing is that Jesus keeps giving us this picture, different perspectives, different timings, different things, but eventually shows us this picture of getting there. And it's awesome. And so today we come to Revelation chapter 15, which talks about this journey getting there, but then shows us what happens when we're there. And it's just precious. So we start in chapter 15. It says this in verse 1. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them, the wrath of God is finished. I know what you're thinking. Wait, amazing? (laughs) Like, you get there, that's amazing? No. 
we talked about how God, to finish all things, will be bringing the wrath of God, that he will be coming and destroying his enemies, but saving to himself his people. And so now he's going to introduce what are these seven bowls of God wrath, or God's wrath. We will deal with the seven bowls next week. We will deal with the sequence of those seven uh, uh, bowls. If you want to go back and look at what we've been talking about with the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, you can go back to the sermon on May 1st. Download that one. It talks about the sequences of seven if you want to kind of prime yourself for next week. But it says here that these angels are prepared. They're given these uh, bowls here. But the, the wrath of God is going to be finished. But then it gives us this new glimpse. Verse 2, it says, And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And so the next picture, it's not just these angels that are about to bring the bowls of wrath, but the picture comes around to this scene that's in heaven. Now, throughout Scripture, we have a description of this going on. Back in Ezekiel, there's the description of Jesus coming with his entourage of cherubim. And above the cherubim, it is an expanse. It's this thing that was a, uh, like a crystal expanse that was over their heads. And on top of that expanse was a throne. Well, right now we're getting the picture, but on the other side, it's on the top side. And around this throne is this crystal glass sea. It's something that separates. There's a, there's a barrier between that which was not of God or unholy and that which is in his very presence, the most holy of holies. And so these people who have been rescued by God, redeemed by God, saved by God, are now on the other side of the expanse. They're on the other side of the crystal sea. Now, this says here that the crystal sea was mingled with fire. And if you wouldn't mind back on the video, guys, if you could bring up our revelation slide, if you could bring that up for a moment, because it's almost hard to picture. Well, how do you have a a glass, a crystal sea that has fire in it? And I think when you recognize that you go out onto the beach sometime and here on the East Coast, it's at the sunrise. Or if you're on the West Coast, it's on the sunset. Or if you're on a lake, it could be any which way. But when you see the sun coming down over that water, you suddenly have that sea that's mixed with fire. And so you see here in the sunset, even for our slide, it has water, but it also has that fire that's kind of being mixed among. And I I have a sense that right in the middle of that sea is Jesus. And his brilliance kind of goes out throughout that fire. But also as well, there's something about that fire throughout Scripture that in order to get from here to there into that presence of God, you are saved by Jesus through his blood. And then as a believer in Jesus, as one who has tricked with him, you are also going through the process of being refined by fire. Now, you got there and you were saved at one point, but you know that the journey of getting from that point of salvation to the point of standing with Jesus before his throne on that day to worship him, you were being refined by fire. You got from one side to the other going through God putting you in a difficult circumstance, uh, difficult serpent, uh, circumstances to keep pulling off of you sin and death and things that were not of him. In the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, it speaks of God as being a refiner in this way. Malachi chapter 3, verse 2 says this, but who can endure the day of his coming? See, it's talking about the Lord coming back. Who can be... Who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? 
for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. And so as you go on in life and there are difficulties that come and things pop up which are unexpected and they're not comfortable. Your air conditioning goes out. That's not comfortable. Death abounds around you. That's not comfortable. Someone's abused you. Someone's spoken against you. You you don't get everything you want in life and maybe God's withholding. You're going through fire. Well, God is using those opportunities as difficult as they are and maybe as ill-intentioned as somebody might be using that against you, you are being allowed to go through those things because God is refining you. What is refining? Well, as they take a metal like gold or silver, a lot of times those things would be filled with things which were not gold or silver. There would be impurities. And so they would apply fire, a heat to those elements. And as the heat is applied, there's a separation that comes. You get the things that are uh, not silver or gold, that are drawn out and you get the things that are the pure element separated from that. You get that which is more purified. And so as God allows you to go through this journey of life and it's difficult and it seems like there's just fleas all over your socks and there's no air conditioning, those things that you're going through quite possibly are God using those things to refine you so that you are more holy before him. So your life is not about you just getting what you want. And it's not about you just having all the money in the world and you just having all the pleasantries. And it's all about you. It's all about you. He's using it so that you can recognize it's not all about you. It's all about him. It's all about him. Everything Jesus. And so these people have gone from one side of the expanse to the other. They're standing where where this sea is mingled with fire, not only because of the presence of Jesus, but what that presence of Jesus has meant in the refining process of the people of God. He's bringing you away from sin and into Jesus. And so these people are all standing there. Here's this multitude of people who have said no to the beast, no to his mark, no to Satan. And and they're standing with Jesus. And it says they take up harps to sing a song. Now, how many of you who are believers can play the harp? Okay, I can't. We're going to need some lessons. Okay, I hope God gives us some lessons and. And, and, and I believe that somehow we'll all be able to play. Maybe, maybe it's guitars. Maybe some of us will take our other stringed instruments. We'll be there with guitars. But it says that there's these people that are standing before the throne, having gone through that journey, everything that's tough, having been refined and now standing before Jesus. And it says this again in Revelation chapter 15 and now in verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses. Now, I just want to stop there and pause for a moment because what is the song of Moses? Why is Moses being brought up? All, well, this is the end of time after everything. We've been redeemed. Why are we going all the way back in the Old Testament to Moses, second book of the Bible? Because God uses the picture of what happened with the Jews coming out of slavery through the wilderness and to the promised land to constantly be the picture of us being redeemed from slavery and sin through a wilderness to his presence. And so he brings up Moses because when Moses and the people of Israel left Egypt, They first came and they sat beside a what? The Red Sea. And what was coming after them? This huge army. The army of Pharaoh was chasing after the Israelites. It's the most powerful army on earth with all the technology that they could summon at that time. The best of the best. 
And they were coming after Israel, which didn't have anything but their wagons full of all their house goods. And so there they were trapped. That was a moment when it's like, wait, the world is literally coming against us. We're going to die. And God in that time went and separated a body of water. I couldn't do that with a bowl of water. And God took an entire sea and spread the water just as much as there's an aisle down these rows. And the people of Israel walked right across dry land through the Red Sea and got to the other side. He had saved the people by giving them an exit in that moment. They had to have faith in him for that moment. Once they got to the other side, they turned around. And what was coming? The Egyptians, Pharaoh's army. They had followed them right into the sea. And so there goes Pharaoh's army into the sea. And while they're in the midst of the sea, the scripture says that God, whoosh, let the the waters go back. And those waters just overtook the Egyptians. And the entire army of Pharaoh, Pharaoh included, was crushed that day and drowned in the Red Sea. And so when they get to the other side, the Israelites saw all that God had done for them. He rescued them through a sea. And I don't know if there was a sunset that night and they saw the sun coming off and there was a crystal sea mingled with glass in that moment. But when they get to the other side, guess what they did? They sang. They were so overwhelmed with what God had done for them. They couldn't do anything but worship him and give him thanks. They were responding. And the song, I'll just have the first part of it here. But you can go back maybe this week and read Exodus chapter 15. And this is Moses' song. It says, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has, uh, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And so when they made it through to the other side, they sang a song. And in Revelation 15, it sounds as if maybe they're picking up that song. Now, I don't know if they're singing the exact same words, or it might be joined together with the song that it's talking about next, because it says, back to Revelation, verse 3, that they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and... The song of the lamb sing. And now we're getting the lyrics to the song of the lamb. It says, great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the almighty just and true are your ways. O king of the nations who will not fear. O Lord and glorify your name for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. And so these people who have gotten there, they strike up in song. They've got harps. They've got Moses' song. They've got the song of the Lamb. And what they sing is this, Great are your deeds, Lord. And they talk about how all his ways are righteous. That means that everything that God has ever done in your life has been good. There's never been something that he's done in your life that's not righteous. He is always righteous. He always does good deeds. He always does these things. And so they say, hey, everybody on earth is finally going to come to the conclusion that you're God. Now, some of them won't worship, but all nations come and acknowledge that he is God. And whatever he's done is perfect. There was no mistake in what God has done. When we get to the other side and we stand there worshiping the Lord, we will look back at the journey and say, there was no mistake about what he did in my life. I might not understand it right now. I might constantly, day by day, wake up with the question, why? And right now, we may not be able to answer the question, why? But on the other side, we look back, we'll look back and we'll say, great and amazing are his deeds. They are always perfect. 
I didn't understand why he was doing it, but I know he was doing it to refine me. And now that I stand there, how glorious is he that he has saved me. I didn't understand why he had us hemmed in on the Red Sea. But then I saw him deliver us. And now we live in salvation. And so the people stand there and they sing this song to God. This is more interesting given what's surrounding this song. Again, in verse 5, it says this, After I looked... After this, I looked and the sanctuary of the tent of witness in heaven was opened and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So John turns around. These angels are given the seven bowls by which they will go and pour up on the earth for the wrath of God that's going to come. He's witnessing the fact that the wrath of God is about to come. And so it's amazing that surrounding the song of the Lamb, where the people cry out, always are God's deeds good and true. Always does he work righteousness. The nations will see this. That surrounding that is the fact that the wrath of God will come. That even in the wrath of God, even in his punishments, even in the way he disciplines, even in the way he makes it sometimes difficult for you, that it is good. And right now you may be asking why. Why does it hurt? Why have you allowed this? Why does it seem insurmountable? Why don't I have control? Why, when I have done whatever you have asked me to do, Lord, does it not seem to work out for me now? And the Lord knows that he's not playing for the short game. He's playing for the long game. This is about eternity, not just today. And so in the midst of giving a description of God's wrath, there are the people of God saying, you know what? Even that is a great and mighty deed of God. He is righteous in it. He is okay for him to be the judge and the executioner, as we talked about last week. And this says that the whole temple was full of his glory and his power. And he alone was in his sanctuary because only he can bring his wrath. Only he can be the judge. And I think he just needs a moment. You know how sometimes you parents, your kids are going crazy. You know you're going to have to go deal with them. You know you need to come and bring bring down the hammer and you say, just give me a quiet moment in my room first. And you recognize what your place is, your responsibility, and that you're going out there to deal with those children, not to abuse and not to bring wrath, but to bring correction. And you just kind of need that moment. And I don't know that the Lord has to remember, but I think the Lord is making clear that he's the only one who's going to do it. That it is full of his power. And it's his glory, his essence, his everything. And he is coming to do what is right. He will bring justice and it will be good and true. And everyone, all the nations will recognize it. Now the good news is this. That God in seeing that there was no way for you and I by our own strength to get out of our sin, which all of us are sinners. And there's no way to escape our sin and the death that we deserved and to get on the other side of the expanse and be within the holy presence of God unless... He make a way. And so he sent Jesus Christ who came down out of heaven, the scripture says, and took on flesh and blood like you and I 
and he lived a righteous life. He never did any sin. And so he didn't have to die for his own sin. He went and he took all of your sins and he took all of my sins and the punishment that we deserved under the wrath of God. And Jesus Christ took it upon himself and died in that place and suffered. So that if anybody, including you or I, would say, Jesus, I call upon your name, please save me. That the good news of Jesus Christ says that he does. That you in that moment are forgiven. You are washed in the blood of Jesus. You are taken on a journey whereby now by the love of God, you are being refined by his discipline, by his spiritual growth and maturity in you, by what the word of God continues to do in you, by what the spirit is leading you to do. You are being grown in him. And one day, because of the gift of God giving his own son instead of you, you will cross over that expanse and you will be in the very presence of God in the throne room on the other side of the sea. And you will see this magnificent sight and you will be handed a harp and you will sing out the praises of God saying, I who deserved death, I should have been in the midst of the sea with Pharaoh's army. But oh, I've been given life. And I got there because of Jesus. Not anything I did. It was all Jesus. And so I want to sing to him. I want to join my brothers and sisters and I want to sing to him because he is worth it. He is good and he is true. And anything he's ever done in my life, even though I didn't understand it, it was right. And even though the world doesn't understand what's going on, what God is doing in the midst of the world is right. And we will stand there and join together and say, he is God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Now, that's a good word. You know why? I don't want to get through this hard trip and then get to the end and say, well, it just looks like we got fleas. No, when we get there, it's going to be amazing. Have you ever seen people that have been away for a while? They've been on a hard trip and they get down and maybe they come down off the plane and they get to where they're going and they're so grateful to get, be there. They get down and they kiss the ground. They're so thankful. They're literally kissing the ground. The word for worship in scripture is to really kiss at the feet, to kiss his feet, to worship him. There are times in your life when you were asked to do hard things and you get to where you're going and you get to the end of it and you realize God was in it. I remember another journey my family took. Katie, three kids, and myself gotten into a van, this time leaving Seattle. We drove in that van going to a place we didn't know very well. We arrived in Four Oaks, North Carolina on July 3rd, or July 2nd, July 2nd. And we were welcomed by Trey and Shelly and Kaylee and Landon, these people who had graciously, uh, probably unwisely, took us in and, and allowed us to live with them for five months. And I remember getting there. And I didn't look for fleas. I didn't think I need to. But I remember just getting there and just, and just having this feeling, knowing that God, not just through 3,000 some odd miles having driven, the journey of where we had been in the past, just watching him trace us all the way through and all the hard times and all the questions and the whys and where we go and what, and finally God planted us there. And I remember going to sleep that night and just thinking, thank you, God, and being able to pray with, with Katie and just saying, look what God has done. His deeds are good and true. We didn't understand but look what he's done. And now we've come further and we say, look what he's done. And you look at your life and you get to places you say, look how God, good God has been on the journey. 
And here's the thing. Don't wait till the other side of the crystal sea to thank him. Take every moment, the scripture says, thank him continually. And so today, that's what we're going to do as we end. I know a lot of times we, we really hunker down and we come to repentance and, and asking for forgiveness and we, we pray down here. And we're going to do that. Take time to do that. But we're going to do it in the midst of song as we, as we come and we say, good and true are your ways, Lord. Look at what you've done. We're actually going to sing that song out of Revelation 15 together. And then we're going to go on and sing some more. There's a song in there that the kids, I know you know it from Awana, so I need you to sing out, okay? If you're a kid, you know the song, you sing it out. We wanted to sing it all for you. And then we'll, we'll close with a final song that I'm pretty sure everybody knows. But this is what we're going to do. We're not going to wait for the other side. We're going to recognize that the journey we've been on, as hard as it is, as difficult as it's been, that we suddenly are aware that God's been with us every part of that journey. And that we may ask the question why. But you know what? He will show us that it's all worth it. Because at the end, we end up with him. And as we were saying before, he is precious. He is worth it. And so, Lord, as we come to you at this time and we sing together, we first of all want to come to you and recognize that we are a sinful people. that We did not deserve anything of your love and your grace extended to us in Jesus. And yet, because you do love us so much, you sent him to die on a cross for us. And so we ask right now for forgiveness in the blood of Jesus, Lord. We confess to you our sin as people who are unworthy and yet also capable in the blood of Jesus of knowing that we're forgiven. And we come before you at this time not wanting to wait until after this world is gone to sing together your praise. We want to sing and we want to thank you right now for what you've done. We want to respond and worship that is right and true because you are good and everything you've done is right. And so, Lord, we pray that you would receive our worship, not because we can play guitar or sing or do anything very well, but because Jesus Christ is our righteousness and we worship in his name. And so we pray that in your holy sanctuary that you'd be pleased because in us you see Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we sing together? This new one's going to be a, a new song for you. That's okay if you just want to listen to the words. Um, but as you begin to pick them up, you're welcome to sing along. Just take the opportunity to, to praise the Lord. Just thank him. If you need to close your eyes, if you need to come down front, you're welcome to come down front and pray. And uh, just go to the Lord and thank him for all, of his, all that he is. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord. God the Almighty. 
alone are holy, all nations will come. Worship you for your righteous acts, then made known. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, glorify your name? You alone are holy, all nations will come. Worship you for your righteous acts, but then Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty.